Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm joined this week by, with Ben Daniels and Brian Ashlock to talk about some less than stellar results for Tottenham Hotspur. But before we get to that, we have a little bit of podcast business to get to. Don't forget to follow our new Twitter feed at WDR Podcast on Twitter, as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. And leave us a review on iTunes, because we're really lovely people, and it'll make us happy when you give us five stars and tell us how great we are. And maybe how bad our microphones are? I don't know. It depends. Um, but yeah, leave us a review and follow our new Twitter account. Now, let's move on to some less-than-ideal Tottenham results. We have, of course, a 1-1 draw against Crystal Palace to talk about. But before that, we have to talk about the game that happened today, which was a 2-1 to loss to Liverpool at Anfield. Um... I don't know where to start with this. Apparently half of Twitter is having an existential crisis over, you know, oh, should Tottenham be ashamed of the way we played today, which to me strikes me as about as legitimate as the is Harry Kane killing people with his butt conversation that we keep seeing on Twitter. Uh, Brian, I want to start with you. I mean, by and large, do you have any problems with the way Spurs played today? No, I don't. I think... I don't know. I guess I'm kind of a Jose Mourinho apologist, and I've, I've said on the show, like, if we win games, like, I don't really care what we look like. Um, and so, obviously, we didn't win this game. Uh, and so, I can see how people would say that, you know, given the result, the 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 means didn't justify the ends. Um, or, or the ends didn't meet the means, or I don't know, whatever. Something smart people would say. Um, also a good start. The, I move for yeah. a mistrial, Your Honor. Yeah, honestly. Um, but the point of it is, is like, Brian, yeah, you're, Brian, you're not is... supposed to podcast and ski at the same time. You're supposed to wait till afterwards. Look, I was almost asleep when you woke me up to do this, and I had to make sure that I was ready. Um, and then so I had to go let the dog out, which is a euphemism. We all know that. Um, but anyway, the point of this is, is that, you know, look... I think that this was the right game plan to have. Um, you saw we, we played a little bit more passive in the first half, and then we in the second half we came out and we pressed Liverpool a little bit more in the first 10, 15 minutes. Um, we pressed them higher up the pitch, and, and we kind of started to get a little more, I don't know about on top, but we, we, we certainly were more in the game at that point. And, and certainly that was something that Jose Mourinho had talked about wanting to do against Crystal Palace that didn't actually get accomplished. And so... You know, at that point in the first, in the second half, where it's level, we're going out there and pressing, trying to get the second goal. We actually get a couple decent chances to get that second goal. It doesn't happen, and then we kind of run out of gas. And I think, you know, as gassed as some of the players looked, I think that the the tactics are definitely justifiable. Like, I mean, I don't think we had the legs to go out there and run at them for ninety minutes. I mean, I don't. On some level, and I understand it is like a Mourinho plan, I don't feel like it was that bad. I mean, given who we're playing, I mean, putting it within context, and I understand the first half was pretty passive and kind of dull, but at the same time, you know, like you said, Brian, we, 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 we opened it up and we took it to him at least a little bit in the second half. I mean, we didn't fully open it up. I, I don't want to misconstrue what happened, but... You know, this wasn't like a Chelsea game where we were just really staying within ourselves. I mean, we we made our efforts, and again against a team like Liverpool, I'm not sure what people expect. I, you know, this isn't we're not playing them with like peak era Barcelona where we can just go toe to toe with them in terms of attacking play. I think you know hanging back and hitting Liverpool on the counter is an entirely reasonable defense, or, or uh, entirely reasonable uh, defense might be the proper way to put it, but an entire reasonable plan of attack and. You know, frankly, I mean, you know, Mourinho was coming out with this standard bullshit about, like, oh, the better team lost today. And, you know, I don't know if that's true, but the fact of the matter is if Spurs had managed to steal this game and win it, like, I don't think it would have been an undeserved victory. I thought we played pretty well, all things considered. 
I mean, I think I think you're asking two questions here. Like, one is a fundamental existential question about like what it means to be Tottenham Hotspur. Like, do you want Tottenham to set up to play games like this this way? Don't you wish we were the kind of team that went out and like swaggered around the pitch and scored five goals? Like, and I think everybody's answer is like, yes, of course we wish we were that team. You know, I, that's fun. That's a really fun team to be. But the reality is, is we're not. And under Jose, we're never going to be. So accepting that premise of, like, who Jose Mourinho is and what it means to be a club managed by Jose Mourinho and to have trained the way we've trained this whole season and have had the season we've had to come into this Liverpool game with the game plan that we had today, it's like, A, not only is it not, like, indefensible, it's not even unexpected. It's, like, it's what the team is, like, prepared to do. You know, the game plan was clearly let's keep things tight in the first half and then in the second half we're going to come out strong and try and, you know, steal the go-ahead goal and then we'll sit back and, and protect that lead. And like you said, it almost worked. You know, we got to halftime level. You know, they had sl- the slight edge out in the first half. You know, we let them have a lot of the ball, but we didn't let them have a ton of They didn't chances. create a great, I mean, forgive me if I'm missing something, they did not create a great chance in the first half. And as much as they were pressuring us, which is a real thing and happened, their goal was extremely stupid. And frankly, it's even stupider now that we've seen the whole game. Uh, you know, they didn't, they, they weren't like battering us. No, I mean, yeah, they had a goal deflect off both of our center backs simultaneously that looped over Hugo, who had been otherwise very good. And expected goals for the half had had them at point four something and us at point two something. Like, they were a little bit better, but nobody was, like, actually doing anything. And we both walked in at halftime, even, you know. And then the second half came out, and, you know, we... To put this in context of Crystal Palace, where we came back from halftime and looked comfortable to sit there and do nothing for 45 minutes, we came into this halftime, and we went at them, you know. Like, we were pressing high up the pitch. We had... Bergvine had two really good chances. Kane put a header off the ground and over the bar on a corner kick. Like we had, we got behind them a couple other times, you know, yeah, we had really good opportunities to win this game in the first part of the second half. And, you know, it, it felt like we were executing the game plan correctly, you know, as Jose had drew it up. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we conceded a header in the 90th minute off a corner kick. Like, you know, shit happens sometimes. Like, that's unfortunate. It sucks. Um, you know, and so when Jose said the better team lost today, like, I don't think he's wrong. Like, we weren't, we certainly weren't the worst team today. And I think, you know, if anything, both teams have been happy with a point. But, I, I, yeah, I feel like this was our game to lose. And and, we, and in many other worlds, we, we won this game. Well, and there's a... You talk, Ben, you talk about sort of what we're resigning ourselves to with Jose Mourinho. And on some level, I think that you're right. But on another level, and again, I don't know how much Mourinho has to do with this, which, you know, it's the players he has. So probably there's a little bit of credit he deserves and a little bit it's in spite of him. But, you know, for me, what sort of saved the season, what makes me not as anti-Mourinho as I thought I would be going in this year, is like the fact of the matter is our counterattacks are fucking fun as shit. Like... You know, Kane and Son in particular, but even Bergvine, who's not, and we'll talk about him later, who's not quite pulling it off. Like, when we break, it's fun to watch. We're not just lumping the ball down the field and hoping somebody heads it in. I mean, it's, you know, you talk about sort of what you expect about Tottenham Hotspur, and I think ideally we'd love to have sort of what you saw with Pochino at his peak, where we're knocking it around and having intricate passing moves and whatever. But there's something to be said for these just vicious, well-coordinated counterattacks that we see, and... You know, I don't know if that was quite as on display today as we've seen in other matches. City, in particular, is the one that comes to mind. But it is something that's like exciting attacking football that we do get. Now, you could argue, and I think it's a legitimate argument, that we don't see it enough to really justify the sort of way we play. But, you know, especially in this COVID year where we're trying to avoid muscle, like, you know, soft tissue injuries to everybody, it's, it's a legitimate plan, especially against a team like Liverpool. We'll get into Palace later, but against a team like Liverpool, it is probably one of the best five teams in the world. You know, this is more than... I mean, this is... It, it's probably suicide not to do what we did today. Well, I mean, the other thing is, is you're talking about a week where you're playing 270 minutes in the Premier League. Like, this... Like, it, from Sunday to Sunday. We just have three full matches that we have to do. And, like, 
you know, obviously... Two of which are against very good teams. Right. And and obviously Liverpool is the one you want to win. And, you know, in in losing this and then also drawing the Palace match, the, the draw against Palace feels particularly bad. Um, and, and, you know... If, if we don't somehow get, like, a decent result out of Leicester this weekend, you know, this run will obviously feel, you know, like like a, like a huge downturn for us. Um, but, you know, you have to make decisions as a manager about how to utilize your squad. And Jose Mourinho really only likes about 15 players. And... You know, we saw we saw Regulone go to the bench, and Davies came in, and you know that was our major change for for this lineup. And I and think I think it's worth pointing out real quick, Brian. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that was not the disaster. I think probably everybody on this podcast thought it was going to be when when he made that move. Maybe I mean maybe having 90 minutes of Sergio would have worked out a little better, but it was not the catastrophe that I, certainly I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean it worked out okay. I think the the bigger miss for us was was Lo Celso over in Dombele. and then especially when Lo Celso picks up the the yellow card, and then it was we, really we Lucas don't... over in Dombele, but yeah. right, yeah. It, so you know, I think I think that that was the a bigger tactical miss for us, a bigger miss for our actual attacking ability in the match. But again, like Ben said, for the most part. We obviously had a clear game plan. We obviously executed it about as well as we could hope. I mean, you know, look, we've been getting very fortunate in in this the run of difficult fixtures we had leading up to this, and that we had some really good finishing luck. I mean, you know, the it's every week there's a story that goes around about Hungman's son about how he's you know finishing you know 150 percent better than his xg and and Kane is finishing better than his xg and like as a team like we just we just score more off of lower xg chances than everybody else and so like if that is kind of what our attack looks like then occasionally you're gonna have matches like this where those low XG chances that you've been putting into the back of the net wind up bouncing off the post or, you know, or, or, or right into Allison's arms or, or whatever the case may be. And, it, you know, it, if this is a sport like baseball, you'd talk about regressing to the mean and you have 162 games to do that. So in a 38-game soccer season, like, regressing to the mean feels very much like, you know, plummeting to the earth. Um, and, and so, like... Maybe that's kind of a little bit where some of the animosity online is coming from over these last two games, but I, I don't know. I, I'm not that. I'm not. I'm not writing us off as title contenders. I'm not writing us off as like top four contenders. I, we're, we're still fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's so hard. You know, when you have you know again, we took eight shots today, right? Like you're not giving yourself a ton of opportunity to allow for the sublime, you know? Like, if, if Sun is capable of overperforming his shots by some degree, if you're only giving him, like, two shots to work with, you know, you're living and dying by very fine margins. And that's kind of, like, the bargain we've made with how this team is set up and how we choose to play in these big games is it just relies on more luck than I think any of us are entirely happy with or comfortable with. Um, and largely that luck has been in our favor because we have some guys like Kane and Son who are just so good, and the kinds of chances we're creating for them on those like blistering counterattacks are really dangerous chances. And you know, you get Son or Kane one on one with a keeper, you, you like know, your shot. They get two yeah. or three chances a game, like they're probably going to bury one of them. Well, you look at um, Son's chance today, like ridiculous, extremely well executed. Just a you know someone at the peak of his craft, just doing exactly what he needs to do and right exactly and it's just you can't rely on that to be like clockwork like it's just if you're only giving him one chance a game you're taking risks by sheer volume you're just not gonna get there um and you know today 25 percent of our chances fell to steven bergvine who i like i think he is showing a lot of improvement he's doing a lot of things well but like he is not you know, the kind of, like, star forward, lights out finisher that we know our other two guys if, are. If we're going to play like this, chances, 
I, I think I think you're right, Ben. If Bergvine Bergvine is decent, I think he's exciting, and I think he's got room to grow, which is one of the things I like about him. But if we're going to play like this, if we're only going to get eight chances a match against a team like Liverpool, and I would argue against teams that aren't Liverpool, we would get more chances. But Bergvine's got to be more clinical. He's not good enough to be, you know, he's not he's not playing well enough to play in a system where you're only getting this many chances, or he's got to put he's got to start putting those balls away. And it, and I that feels harsh to say because he hit he hit the post, which is. Right. You know, again, it's entirely normal and reasonable for Bergvine to miss those chances. Like normally, people miss those chances when you only have that many shots. The fact is, is we have two guys who are so good and are in such good form that they aren't missing those shots. That when someone does, it feels like this yeah. guy's a piece of shit. This whole plan was a failure, and whatever. And you know, I think, I think you know, if in another world where we have a different manager who spent a year working with this team, yes, I think this team is capable of going toe to toe with Liverpool in possession. Oh God, are you regurgitating? Are you regurgitating Mourinho's talking points, Ben? I don't know what Mourinho's talking points. He talked about how much I'm, longer Liverpool's been drilled with Klopp than they oh, have. No, with no, no, no. I mean, I think Mourinho can have a million years, and it, it wouldn't change things. <laughs> this is just who Mourinho is. I, I'm saying, you know, again, if, if Pochettino were hired a year ago for the first time. By today, I would feel like, yes, he could take this squad of players and put them toe-to-toe with Liverpool, and, you know, we'd press them high up the pitch, and we'd have the ball, you know, aggressively in their half, and we'd be creating a lot of chances. And, like, yeah, we could probably beat them just all out, you know, swinging at each other for 90 minutes. But it's just never going to be the match that we're going to have with Jose. And under Jose, if he were to allow that to happen – I don't think it would go well because the players as a squad are just not prepared to play like that. Like they just, that's just not how they're playing. So this is kind of the sort of reality where we're kind of circumscribed by it. Like this is how we play. And like, well, it's, you know, and it's, I, I think we just need to start to accept and, that. And I think you can see, accept that. And, and I think you could see the sort of difference between the teams. There was an article you sent me, Ben, that sort of, I think it was from football three, six, five or something, but it made. I thought it made a really good point where it was kind of both teams' philosophies on display where Liverpool was just trying to jab us to death. Like, you know, slowly probing, creating lots of chances, whereas we kept looking for that big haymaker that would knock them out. And, you know, I don't think that's wrong. And there's nothing necessarily, you know, like, you know, you look at Mourinho and you look at Liverpool and, you know, I don't think that's necessarily the incorrect approach. But like you, you've been saying, Ben, there's, there's not much margin for error if you're going to try that. Right. If you don't hit him on the button, then that's it. You know, in the first half, on. we did. It, it's it, the first half was an example of how that approach can work. Like you have a guy as good as Son, he gets a shot, and like, sorry Liverpool, I don't give a shit how many chances you had. It's a tie game. Um, but you know, right. it's it's to it's, extend your boxing metaphor. You know, if you if you take eight haymakers and miss them all, and the other team jabs at you for ninety minutes, like, and it goes to a decision, you're going to lose that decision. You mm-hmm. know, that's just how it's going to go. Um, you know, this is again the margins on this game were so fine that like, look, we're it's gonna... easy to look at the result and have that color the performance because I think the performance within the context of what we were trying to do was good and who the opponent it was right exactly like it didn't work out and we lost and that sucks but I I much I I, I much more appreciate the way we set up to play today. Than I did again. Uh, than I do feel about our performance against Crystal Palace. I, that I wanna, to me was like, what are we doing? I, I want to get to that in a second. I, I don't want to leave Liverpool game yet, um, but I do want to say I think largely what I've appreciated this year, and I think you're right about Palace, is it feels like we have a, a coherent game plan, which is not something I always felt like was true last year, and it's nice to see. But before we get off the Liverpool game, I want to focus on something I fucking hate Liverpool. Like, I really dislike Liverpool. And, like, I forget how much... And it's weird, because I I make nasty comments about Liverpool a lot in, you know, my G-chats and my Twitter feed. But, man, you lose a game to Liverpool. You play Liverpool, and it's just... You just get reminded of... I, I fucking hate that team. I fucking hate the atmosphere around them. God, they... It drives me crazy... 
Like, Klopp in particular drives me nuts. Like, like, look, that guy plays exciting football. I don't want to take that away from him. But as a personality, that dude is every single bit as toxic as Jose Mourinho is at his worst. I fucking hate him. I can't stand him. The way he bitches and moans about how, like, Liverpool's some put-upon little scrappy underdog when, like, literally everything goes their way. It's just... Oh, I, I hate that team so much. And and losing to them stings in particular. And I mean, we've been, we haven't beaten them since twenty seventeen. Like, you know, it's it's particularly difficult to keep losing to them all the time. Um and, and don't forget, a lot of those games that we've played against them, we've played really well. Like, there was the game right before the Champions League final where we like we played Liverpool real tough and they just got away with one, you know. It's like we have these games where we play them well even when they're sort of at their peak, and we still find a way to fucking lose. Yeah. Yeah. I, and again, for Liverpool, like, they're at a 66-game unbeaten streak at Anfield. They've won every game at Anfield this season. Like, it's a tough it's a tough place to play, and winning that game is always going to be challenging. <laughs> Sorry, Brian, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I just... <clears throat> what I was just going to say is, is basically the same thing as you, is I don't think that... That losing this match at Anfield against the Liverpool team that is obviously one of the the top teams in the division should be, you know, a, a damning mark on this season. Like, you know, it, is it does it make any potential title challenge that we're going to have down the road a little more difficult? Yeah, maybe. Um, but Liverpool has shown they're vulnerable. They've shown that they'll drop points. I mean, you know, they barely looked at the races against Fulham. Like, Fulham probably should have won that game. Like, you know, so... Look, they got screwed on two penalty decisions. Yeah, so so this isn't the invincible Liverpool of last year that's just steamrolling people. You know, they they've got injury problems. They've got they they've, they've got motivation issues. Like like th- this is still very much a league that is still up in the air. And them just pulling three points ahead for now, uh, you know, doesn't mean that you know this title race is over or or that we're all of a sudden just like bad again like i i, I don't want to extrapolate this game any further than like uh ah, they beat us today like uh, well i think and i think that's the kind of hard and i think i've seen a lot of spurs and frankly soccer fans who follow the premier league struggle with this is you know for the last two years the premier league kind of turned into la liga where it's just sort of two teams hoovering up points and barely dropping any of them and it really sucks to feel like you know it, it really felt like you know, oh, God, no, is our title challenge over? You know, which I, I know that sounds hyperbolic, but the way the last few years have gone, like, I can sort of understand people's, like, initial reaction being that. But you're right, Brian. Like, this is not, this does not look like a Liverpool team that's going to, you know, wh- while they look really good, this does not look like a Liverpool team who's going to just, like, never lose any points unless it's the Pep Guardiola. I mean, but, God, it fucking sucked. That, that kind of makes it suck even more. Like, they looked like they were there for the taking, and we just couldn't do it. And Right. Ugh, I, and Firmino, that, too. That fucking loser with his awful fucking neck tattoos. Like, ugh. Right. That guy's scored, like, two goals all season. And so, of course, he's the one who, who buries us today. No, I think the thing that drives me nuts is that, yes, we they were there for the taking, and we didn't take it. But, like... The thing about Jose Spurs and the thing about why I hate Liverpool and why I hate Jurgen Klopp so much is that, like, Klopp and Mauricio Pochettino felt, like, very much, like, two sides of the same coin that kind of came in at the same time. They were instilling a similar pressing philosophy. And, you know, both teams were very exciting and won a lot of plaudits and were very, you know hipsterish to like really appreciate like the kind of football they were playing regardless of your fandom you could look at both of these teams and say yes they're doing something right they're doing something exciting they're doing something that's worth watching and it's definitely not not sour grapes to see what the result has been at liverpool and what the result has been for pochettino spurs like that drives me insane like we were just the margins between us and them were just yeah. so fine. They they, like, they bought a little bit better and executed a little bit better and yeah. Right. There's no reason we couldn't have been them yes. over the last couple of seasons. Like a Champions League a league were like just so so close to being within our grasp. And then instead it all imploded and went terribly. And Liverpool again walked away with consecutive Champions League finals, runner up in the league, runner up in the Champions League, 
Champions League victors, league victors. Like, it sucks to see that, and it sucks to have to play against them and, like, not beat them. Well, and, and it sucks even... Have, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. So to have retrenched from that into this, like, pragmatic Jose Mourinho football that's like, well, Pochettino thing was, like, maybe a little naive, maybe a little idealistic, like, it didn't actually work out. We need someone who's going to win. We need someone who's going to take us to that next level. And then to still lose in a season where, you know, I feel like I'm making a deal with the devil to accept watching, frankly, boring soccer most of the time, but it's effective and, like, boy, the title challenge is on and, like, I, I can accept what we're doing because it's working. The minute it stops working is, like, the minute I have to, like, confront all of this baggage that I have wrapped up in all of this. And I don't want to confront that baggage. I want to push that deep down in my soul and never have to think about it and just be happy that this fucking guy I've hated for most of my soccer-watching life has won me a Premier League title. Like, that's that's where I want to be. And that a game like this, as good as I think our performance was in the context, it doesn't allow me to do that, and it makes me very mad. And I... I don't know where to put that. But I'll tell you what, like, frustrates me about Liverpool and losing to them is, like, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about Mourinho on this podcast. And I, it should be pointed out, Brian has a lot less problems with all this baggage than Ben in particular and also me. But the thing is, like, it seems like, and again, not all of it, but Klopp does so much of this shit that Mourinho gets... Just tons of garbage for the Mourinho gets like yelled. Now he's not as long as Mourinho, but it's all like bitching about referees, talking about how unfair it is for Liverpool when all they do is like curb stomp teams and get. Like, I don't. I don't know. I, I feel like Liverpool gets a lot of favorable calls when I'm watching their games, or things just happen to work out for them. And I feel like Klopp is absolutely just as toxic, but because he like has this big fucking wooden teeth and he plays for like oh poor. Poor little Liverpool who spent all their years in the wilderness. He gets this free fucking pass and no one gets irritated with him. And I right, fucking like, hate it. The two things the club has bitched about lately were A, having to play early Saturday morning after a Champions League game. And then this weekend they played on Sunday and still drop points to Fulham. So go fuck yourself. And the other thing was him yelling at Chris Wilder about like the five subs thing. And he didn't make a single fucking sub today. Like... Complain that like they don't have enough subs to preserve his poor players, and like he didn't make one. So like all of his shit is obviously self-serving bullshit. So why is anybody giving him the benefit of the doubt that it is anything other than that? Because he's than, their because he's their fuzzy uncle Jurgen, and it's just like I fluffy uncle, whatever. But I fucking like it. Just the way he gets a pass for that, and it's probably because of the way his teams play football, and I get it. But it just drives me up a fucking wall. And you combine that with like the sort of just, the, like, all the bullshit that comes along with Liverpool fandom. And especially, I'm, I'm speaking as an American, and what I want to clarify for that for our listeners who aren't from America is I, I very much feel that, you know, American Liverpool fans very much cosplay as Liverpool residents, and they'll, you know, act as if they are the put-upon people who lived through the 80s in Liverpool when, you know, what the fuck do you, you know, what the fuck do you know about that experience? And it, it, it just, it all drives me crazy in a way that few teams that aren't direct rivals of Spurs drive me crazy. And it fucking sucks losing to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Thanks for letting me get that out of my system. Before we move on to the Palace game, I think we need a cleanse, a, a palate cleanser. Ben, how's your family doing with the, uh, ongoing uh, travels and travails of uh, Arsenal Football Club. Oh, I mean, they're pretty pretty stoked to get back to drawing ways. Uh, <laughs> I guess the mighty Southampton today. Things are just moving yeah. up in the world for them? You know, after, after a, a calamitous defeat against Burnley at the weekend, you know, to see them trending in a positive direction has just been really, really comforting. Although they are going to miss out on appointing Sam Allardyce as new manager. Um, since he's going to West West Brom, so yeah, you gotta wonder how Arsenal's <laughs> gonna stay up. Yeah, up to point like Tony like, Pulis or something. It definitely feels like last year when we appointed Jose Mourinho just before Arsenal were gonna fire Emery, so they couldn't appoint uh, Jose Mourinho. <laughs> it feels like West Brom made the same calculation where they're like, "Well, we know 
Slavin Belichick just got a really like hard-fought draw against Man City. It's a very impressive performance. But if we don't pick Allardyce now, then our relegation rival Arsenal, who are clearly about to fire their manager, are about to move on this, and we got to beat them to the punch. You know, you, you got to say though, you look at West Brom. You know, they only take one point against City, and you know that's just not enough. You got to get new manager in there. I mean, you know, Arsenal don't have those kind of standards anymore. No, they don't. Sad to see. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a real tragedy. No, look, uh, the, making fun of Arsenal is is fun, but it is not comforting in the wake of this. Like I'm not Ben. I I need it. I need I, I need a minute of it. It's just not enough. Like it it was funny three days ago. It's less <laughs> funny today. I mean, because again, and the thing is, is like the whole the whole thing for me has just been like subsuming all of my emotions into this fantastical idea that we're going to win the league. And we're gonna win the league, but a week like this makes it really hard for me to believe it. Is, is and that gonna, laughing is, at Arsenal is, getting relegated? Is all this gonna fuck you up if we if we win the Europa League? Are you gonna be like that? Doesn't matter because I actually think winning the Europa League would be super fun. No, I, I would be thrilled to win any trophy. Honestly, I mean, I I want to win the league. <laughs> obviously, um, if we won the Europa League, that'd be great. I guess the thing is, is like I, I feel like we're sacrificing so much to have. I really, I really don't. Like, I mean, I understand we're sacrificing something. I like, I get that this isn't like the the heady days of Mauricio Pochino football at Tottenham, and I I don't want to dismiss that view. But I'm also this... I, I'm getting enough joy out of most of these games. Again, this weekend and today, maybe not be might not be the best examples of that. But I'm getting enough joy out of most of these games to not be like, I don't know. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm not standing on the edge. Like, it sounds like you are, Ben. I, I, I'm not. I just, I can see the future. And I can see many possible futures. And the one that horrifies me. Uh, and again, this is not really fair given, again, what happened today. But th- the future that terrifies me the most is the one where we don't win the league. We don't win any trophy, but we make a good enough run of it over the course of the year that, you know, again, we spent another summer backing Jose Mourinho because he got so close. He got just so close. And we just now have another season of Jose Mourinho as it starts to go badly, which I think, again, we all accept that at some point it will go badly. And so if it goes badly before we've won anything, you know, we be looking at like a thirty-year-old Harry Kane and an aging Hungman son, and like have just squandered a lot of potential so ben, chasing that that win now. And if we don't win now, it was all for nothing. Ben, and in this doomsday, on the back of my mind, in this doomsday scenario, who does Arsenal beat to win the FA Cup this year as they careen towards relegation? Exactly, they're gonna. Play it's gonna better. be like Chelsea. That, that, that that's how this S-Marine. works. Marine. In the FA Cup final <laughs> against Arsenal, after we've bankrolled their way there, uh, they're going to lose to Arsenal in the FA Cup final. Brian, let's transition to the Palace game. Uh, <laughs> this was, I feel like, in a weird way, this felt like a game I've watched a lot under Mourinho at Spurs. I mean, like, like broadly speaking, I've seen us underperforming with mid-table teams for a decade now, but... This sort of game where we play really well, and I think it's been kind of forgotten in the discourse. We played really well for about like 30 minutes in this game. Like We scored that goal, which is the difference between a lot of these games that we've played. But we score that goal, that very deceptively great Harry Kane goal. We probably should have scored one or two more because we were creating chances and looking really good. And then we kind of fall off. And then we, you know, Palace don't. You know, they, they ease their way into the game, and then they steal one from us. And, I don't know. It was a game where I felt like we should have asserted ourselves in a way that we did not. But, this is the problem with Spurs, where we seem to let our foot off the gas when we get that lead. And, what's frustrating is, you know, when we... And I think you see it today against Liverpool. You can see it in the last few minutes of that Palace game when we did give up the, after we gave up the goal... When Spurs want to attack, even under Jose Mourinho, we we look fairly dynamic. I think we you know we look dangerous, and it was a little bit frustrating to see us just surrender the initiative in the way that we did. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the, the the major critique of Jose Mourinho at Spurs right now is that you know these 
teams that you would want us to go out and take the game to and and to to dominate the ball and 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 to to really just like beat the living crap out of we don't really have the wherewithal to play kind of the bully ball that that Jose Mourinho probably want from us and and so you you deal with a team like this Palace team where they do have some real threats on the counter they do have Zaha that Eze is really good Benteke is a useful player um, and if you don't put them away, they hang around long enough, and then you wind up in the position that we found ourselves in, conceding a late goal to Jeffrey Schlupp, who seems to score against us all the time, um, or at least in the last two matches against Palace. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think, I don't know, it, it's just very frustrating that, you know, we did have more of the ball, we just didn't create anything, and we had, you know, our first-choice lineup out there, we had, you know, the better team and we just really didn't get good chances didn't get good looks at goal um, I mean even the goal that, that that Kane scored was you know that's a low xg chance like that's a 30 yard shot like it's a great shot it's awesome like that's a cool goal to it's score. worth pointing out if you rewatch the the highlights of that goal it's super cool like the, he gets some really nasty swerve on that yeah that's a great goal to score that's awesome but like you know that shouldn't be like one of our best chances of the game. Like you know, we, I actually but again like in those first thirty minutes and those last like I don't know ten whatever it was. I feel like we created some good chances. And again, what happened in the first thirty minutes is more concerning than what happened at the end of the match. But it's just I don't. I, I wish we would just keep our foot on the gas. Like it's you know if you're up two or three nil, fine. Like do what you got to do. But I, I mean that's exactly it. It's like we don't go for the jugular. Like we just don't we we get a, we get a lead and we coast on it and, and I don't even mind to be clear if it's like if you got a one nil lead it's the seventy fifth minute you look at the schedule fixture list this year like yeah but coasting at that point is kind of defensible but in the thirtieth minute no like fucking take it to him you got you got Harry Kane and Humming Sun like like fucking go at him we are better than Crystal Palace even even as un un trained as we are to play like dominant possession football. We are think, capable of doing that against Crystal Palace. Like but they're we not, did, and we did do it. Like that's that's what fucking drives me insane. Like we played really good front foot football for like thirty minutes in this match, and even if like you fall out of it for a little bit because things happen in football, like there's no reason we couldn't have reasserted ourselves in the first couple minutes of the second half. And right, and now Jose said that like his instructions were to do the opposite of that, and the team let him down. And I was very skeptical of that, and I remain skeptical of that. But I guess to his credit, for the Liverpool game, he didn't do that. Like, we did come out on the front foot. We did come out pressing aggressively. And so whether whether he was full of shit in the Palace game, but, like, realized after the fact that that was the right approach and then applied it to the Liverpool game, or if he actually did intend for that to happen in the Palace game and we finally executed in the Liverpool game, either way... I'm at least encouraged by that trend, but like it shouldn't have taken till fucking mid December for the apparent to Jose and the players. Like we should be killing games by staying I mean, on the front. It's, it's kind of hard to say because we've just played like, I mean, let's not talk about the Europa League, I guess, but we've, we've been playing tough teams for a few weeks now. So you know, but my point is, why can't we do what we did to United against fucking Palace, like where we just like kept like, our throat, fine. kept our foot on their throat for like ninety minutes? All right, we go up two 0 against Man City, and we went on a bunker for sixty minutes. Like, fine, you know, like I, I accept that tactical decision as a necessity. Against Crystal Palace, it's just like it just feels like surrender. It feels like trying not to lose. It feels like. You know, just hoping you stave off the inevitable. It doesn't feel like an actual... It feels like you're hoping their defense is going to break down for a minute and you're going to capitalize, which, in fairness, isn't the most unreasonable strategy in the world. We weren't even, like, countering hard on Palace. No, but yeah, you got to create... You've got to force those opportunities. You can't just expect that, like, again, it's Palace, so, you know, maybe expecting one of the defenders is going to take a shit in the middle of the pitch is... Not completely unreasonable, but you shouldn't wait for that to happen. You should be forcing these opportunities. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard for me to now go back and talk about Palace, honestly, because I, I was furious about Palace. The pendulum is, is a fickle mistress. Yeah, I mean, yes. Like, we took a point against Palace and we lost to Liverpool, but I'm much, I'm happy, I'm not happy, but I'm like, I'm okay with what we did today against Liverpool in a way that I'm just manifestly morally opposed to what we did against Crystal Palace. Well, our next game against the team, I mean, we play Wolves on the 27th, and then we play Fulham on the 30th. I, I would argue Fulham is the match where we're going to like see if this team learned any lessons against Palace. And probably Mourinho will use the fixture congestion of the holiday period to like justify not really going balls to the wall. But I think that's the match where we're going to like see if any lessons were learned in this one from this one. And I mean, I, that's not the first time this season that, that this has happened, or even the first time under Jose Mourinho's spell as manager that we've had performances like that against mid-table or you know lower half teams. Like, I, I don't think that this group of players is going to take you know that particular lesson to heart. I mean, and, and I mean, I don't know. You know, we watched a lot of Tottenham football. Like Greg, you said a little bit ago, like this is a thing that happens to us for like the last decade where we fail to blow out or fail to break down or just fail to put away teams that are worse than us. I don't know. Maybe this happens to other big teams all the time too, but like this feels like a very like distinct Tottenham Hotspur problem for the better part of the last decade. I think we've seen this manifest itself at least in very different ways where we are trying to put a team to the sword and then they like punch us in the mouth late in the game. This is, I, I don't think we see us take a 1-0 lead and be like, well, we've won this game. Let's just play defense for but, the rest of the match. You know, like, and, that's new. That's well, I mean, I think well, we've okay, done that but that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about that a little bit, Ben, because I think part of that is... I think we bring so much baggage to the Mourinho Spurs that... And I, I don't want to discount, because I do think you're right. Like, we got a 1-0 lead. Let's kind of sit on it. Let's kind of hope Palace, like, fucks up and lets us score again. I definitely think that's what they were thinking, certainly after the 30th minute or so, you know, around then. But I do think there is something to be said for what Brian was talking about, is, like, we've had games like this over the past. And maybe not in that specific pattern, but that specific, like, we do something okay, and then we let a team back in the game, and we drop points we shouldn't drop. And I feel like we have a much more emotional reaction to it, it happening under Mourinho than we do when, like, I don't know, Pochettino would throw points away, or Harry Redknapp would fucking throw Scott Parker in the 85th minute against Villa when we need to... You know, it's... it's. I, I feel like this kind of... We, we take it harder under Mourinho. Maybe it's because we're in a title race right now, and that's that's fair as well. Like, those two points that if we if we take it all three against Crystal Palace, what happened against Liverpool would have been a lot easier to take. So, I don't I mean, know. I, just, I, I don't have a question. I just think we should talk about that. I just fundamentally disagree with you. Like, you're always going to blow games. And you're always going to drop points in games that are winnable. I'm fine with that. I accept that as just a reality of playing the game. What I don't accept is surrendering all initiative and accepting a 1-0 victory in the 23rd minute and then and calling it a day and just coasting on that. But is that markedly different from... Yes! No, 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 no. Yes. Let me finish. Let me finish. Is that markedly different? Is that markedly different from... I'm going to put Ryan Mason and Nasser Chadley out there, and they're going to create. Wait, are you talking about Tim Sherwood? It's like, oh, I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking Tim- about early Pochettino or Tim Sherwood. I mean, it doesn't. My point is, how is that markedly different from I'm going to put out players with with like ridiculous expectations for what they're capable of, or I'm not putting I mean, them in a position to succeed? I mean, having bad players or relying on bad players to try and win a game is unfortunate but like at least you're trying to win a game like you're at least you're going out there trying to score goals against the other team we stopped trying to score goals against crystal palace and uh, that to me is uh, is unforgivable uh, you just don't you don't stop you don't stop you think do you think that is markedly worse than setting a team up to fail by putting like let's put ryan mason as, as our 10 and fucking expect nasher chadley to be able to string two passes together under pressure I mean, I think that's a, a, a ludicrous false equivalence. Okay, well, that's what I'm asking. Is that like, are like, these things equivalent? Because I don't think I don't think they are. Players, Nasser Chadley was a guy who scored like a dozen goals for us that season. Like he played a lot. 
Like, yeah, would I rather not play Nasser Chadley and had a better player to play? Like, yes. I mean, again, the situation that allowed Ryan Mason to be a starting central midfielder in Spurs for that 2014-15 team was not Pochettino being an idiot about, like, a million different guys. Like, we had a lot sitting, of He was sitting Musa Dembele. an idiot about one guy specifically, Musa <laughs> One guy specifically, who he then learned to not be an idiot about. In, in a so, diplomatic so, arrangement that some might call it detente. <laughs> Let's say Dembele detente. We're done with that. It's, <laughs> we're, never, we're never done with that, because there was an Indombele negotiation that resulted like, in some positive results. I mean, again, if you, if you go back and listen to our podcasts around, you know, February 2015. So, do you think people do that? That I was furious about the continued playing of Ryan Mason. So, like, I don't know what kind of gotcha moment you're going for. I'm not going for a gotcha moment. I think we find, what I'm saying is, I just think we find this, and maybe we don't, maybe I am not remembering this correctly. I feel like there was similar, a similar level of sort of, I don't know what the word for it is, poor managerial choices that were going, like, different kinds of poor managerial choices, but equivalent in terms of not allowing us the best opportunity to win but games against lesser teams. those same poor managerial, like, player selection choices at Jose Mourinho. Musa Zoko has started the last 10 Premier League games. Like, I can complain about that just as much as I can complain about Ryan Mason. Like, but at least Pochettino was trying to win the game, and Jose Mourinho was trying to not lose the game and then blew the game. Like, I'm sorry, I, I will... From a, a tactical, philosophical approach to a match, giving up on scoring goals 25 minutes into the game is not something I will ever be okay with. I just won't. Like, I will I will accept the results as they come if they are favorable, and I will take the trophy if it wins one. But I will not be happy about approaching a game that way. And... Like I said at the beginning of this, I was I was very encouraged by the fact that we responded to that fucking atrocious display against Palace by coming out with a draw against Liverpool, which is like, hey, we come a into loss, halftime, status yeah. quo, like we could we could see this draw out and like call it a day, and he didn't. And I will give Jose credit for that because he came out in the second half trying to win that game, and. You know, again, his whole fundamental tactical approach I don't love, but within those confines, he was trying to go for that second goal rather than accept a 1-1 draw with Liverpool. And I think that is great. That is what I would like to see. I just think there's something frustrating about putting an Italian out there and expecting him to speak French, for lack of a better analogy. Like, you know, there's something similarly frustrating about the, the bad lineups we put out under, under other managers and, you know, there's it, it, to me, it's sort of like you keep expecting square pegs going around holes, and that's just as frustrating as, okay, let's not score. Yeah, again, it is. He did it. He did it. He did it today. Like, he did. You're, you're absolutely right. It's not a problem with the Liverpool hold. game. And it is like, and it is, and again, I don't want to act like it's not frustrating because, like, to me, what, honestly, the thing that drove me the most up the wall in that Palace match was uh, we conceded in, what, like the 81st minute, something like that, and instantly we created, like, two or three really good chances in the next ten minutes. Like, they were lucky Harry Kane didn't put a header in the box. They were lucky Eric Dyer didn't score on a really good free kick. And I want to come back to that in a second because the weird conversations we're having in 2020 are should Eric Dyer be taking more free kicks for Spurs? But it is frustrating to see that, like, we were capable of putting pressure on Palace and we just seemed to not want to do that. I don't know. It's just very frustrating. So you agree. So you agree. Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> I just think we get particularly angry when Mourinho does something stupid against the lesser team than we did when Pochettino did something sort of different but similarly stupid against lesser teams. I just I just don't think playing Ryan like playing Ryan Mason is equivalent. Like Jose Mourinho has played Harry Winks and Musa Sissoko and Lucas Mora and like plenty of Ben Davis today. Like he's made plenty of like personal. That one worked out or it did, wasn't a huge problem at least, but I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, like we had, we went to that game sitting on four banks, two banks of four playing very deep in our half with no ability to break out. A guy like Regulon maybe changes that. Like, 
you know, yes, Ben Davis didn't pass the ball to Sadio Yeah, no, that's basically what I'm that's talking about. That's nice. But, like, you know, I'm not sure that that was the correct Can we also talk play. about how Sadio Mane tried to pass the ball into Musa Soko's hand again today? I missed that. But oh, I, my God. I, I fucking, like, I don't know. I don't know if I should be happy that Sissoko was able to stop that from happening again or just, like, mad that he thought he could get away with it again. But, boy, that was a, fu- that was a fun second. If I were Sadio Mane, I'd try it every time I played Spurs. <laughs> I'd just get near Musa Sissoko and be like, watch this, you dumb idiot. Like, see, why not? Maybe I know like everybody doesn't do it to anybody, like, every time they have the ball near the box. Just yeah. aim for the hands. I mean, Eric Dyer maybe got away with a handball? Well, Sissoko did get away with a handball at one point. Um, but it was well outside the box, fortunately, so. Yeah, yeah that Dyer, I think it hit his upper arm. I'm comfortable with that. So, I just... Eric Dyer, free kick specialist, by the way. Let's please, let's... <sighs> yeah. That was, honestly... There are certain there are certain attempts at goal that you get mad at that didn't result in a goal because they deserved it. That was a fucking hell of a free kick against Palace, and it like I don't know, like I don't know, I I don't like letting Harry Kane near dead balls. Um, I would feel fine letting a guy like Lacelso hit dead balls, but I'm kind of coming around to maybe we should let Eric Dyer take more free kicks for Spurs. I yeah, I mean he's he's very much like. I feel like he's a specialist. Like, it kind of needs to be straight on and about, like, 25 yards out. Um, You know, I'm not asking him to take any from, you know, wide on the wing or, you know, anything from right around the edge of the box. Like, I would still rather we have Gareth Bale available to us to to put on to take free kicks late in matches. Like, that would be nice. Yeah. Oh, you you don't don't look at me like that. You don't want Gareth. You wouldn't have felt a little bit more confident. Well, you know, I'll give Gareth Bell credit. He hit a free kick so hard in the Europa League that the guy, like, almost fell into his own net. So, fair enough. And there's one thing Bell can still do. Like, fitness aside, he could take a free kick. And all I'm saying is, Eric Dyer hit maybe the best free kick I've seen this season. It didn't result in a goal. So, like, I am very very Eric Dyer free kick curious, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I'm. I'm certainly. You know, he's done a better job than Kane does, for the most part. Like, I can't remember the last time Kane like scored one. I feel like Kane's only good free kick bounced off of a Villa defender's head. Villa yeah, yeah, and it was like, it was funny, but it wasn't good. <laughs> like, yeah, it felt weighty and significant. Yeah, it was not good. And, and it made a lot of my friends who are Villa fans extremely angry, which I really appreciated, but yeah, it didn't feel like it was on purpose. Um, so, okay, so we've got a, two kind of frustrating and very different way result, different ways results of the last two matches, and how are you guys feeling going into the Leicester match this weekend? We play them on Sunday. I feel kind of good after watching how we played Liverpool. I mean, again, it's two sort of counter-attacking teams butting heads, but I tend to think Liverpool, or uh, sorry, Leicester is going to give us a, a chance that we can put away sooner or later. Yeah, I mean, like I said at the at the beginning, you know, I I don't feel like these two results mean you know the end of things. I don't feel like you know I don't feel very down about you know what our ultimate outcome for this season is. I think like we're still very strongly you know locked into top four competition. I think we still have a chance at competing for the title. Like I, I you know, I, I think I think the Leicester match will be good and hopefully we come out of, you know, these last two results with a little bit more fire, a little bit more like just like desire to go out there and actually beat up on someone. I mean we, you you know, we talk about there are teams where, you know, you don't want to face them after they've lost, you know, disappointingly or they've gotten beaten by a, a, some somebody else. And I would like us to be that team where you, you come off the back of a, a late loss and you just, you know, paddle the absolute shit out of somebody. But Leicester just lost to Everton today. So what if they're that team also and we're both that team? What happens then, Brian? Well, then we win 5-4 and that's also fun. <laughs> So I, I, would, I, I would support a 5-4 win. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, I think that 
you know, Leicester maybe if they get healthier, you know, not like they've got Ndidi back, so their midfield is, or well, I guess he's playing in defense now. Um, so maybe they're they are actually going to be good now. Um, but a loss to Everton, who have been mostly bad for the last month or so, Can we talk doesn't about seem particularly encouraging. Can we talk about how satisfying it's been to watch Everton? Sorry, I can't even get their name right. Watch Everton fall off. I was really getting tired of everyone sort of sucking their dick for a few weeks there. It's It's been really... But they bounced back. They beat Chelsea and Leicester this week. They're in fifth. They're like right behind us. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. I refuse to believe. They are two points behind us God in the table. Damn it! God damn it! <laughs> this is a very the, the weird. The table year. right now is Liverpool on twenty-eight, Spurs on twenty-five, Southampton and Leicester on twenty-four, Everton on twenty-three, like, and then Chelsea at twenty-two. Like it's oh, all very that's, close. That, that's that's shit. It is weird how compact the table is this year, and it doesn't feel that way. Like it's, it, I don't know. This is just a very strange year, and that's all part of that. I would assume. Well, I think it's just like you said, like we got so used to the last couple of seasons, like one or two teams just like blowing people out of the water and running away with things and, you know, having a, you know, a six, seven, eight point cushion at this point already and then finishing 15, 20 points ahead by the end of the season. So this year where we've all kind of all the teams have looked fallible at certain points, all everybody's looked beatable. Um and to have them all bunched up like this is actually nice because usually you have that bunch like around third place or, you know, in, in competing for fourth where you have five or six teams that are all kind of about the same and then it doesn't shake out until February, March. But, you know, to, to have it, you know, up and down the table is, is it's been interesting. God, I mean, there's only eight po- there's only eight points from first to tenth right now. Like, Everton's, really, Everton's really two points behind us. Yeah. Wow. How far behind us are Arsenal? Um, 11. Oh, no. You hate to see that. Yeah. Arsenal just sitting pretty in 15th. <laughs> oh, you hate to they see it. Lucky. They got lucky that Brighton couldn't beat Fulham today. And they, and they hung on desperately to their 15th place. I just hope we can make six-pointer jokes deep into the season. It would be really quite extraordinary. Yeah, I, again, like I. You guys want, gotta find. You guys gotta take joy in your life where you can find it. I just, I, I will always enjoy Arsenal suffering, especially when we're good. I just need us to be good. Like, I, if we're again, if we like slip down to like seventh over the next few weeks, and Arsenal in fifteenth, like it's gonna be cold comfort. Like it'll be funny, but I'm not gonna be like really laughing. I mean, I don't know. That that Palace result gives you pause, but I'm, I'm encouraged by how we played today against Liverpool. That was... I am too. Hey, I am too. I'm not saying I'm not. I'll feel so better if we beat Leicester. You know, where's Ndombele? Who knows? Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, again, exactly. It's like, things I mean, are so tight that things can change so quickly. We have Leicester and Fulham next. We rattle off six points. Suddenly... We're feeling very good again. Yeah, and you know, know, if fucking Liverpool can drop points to Fulham, then they can drop points to... I don't think they will, but... We can drop points to Fulham. Yeah, no, you're right. You're (laughs) absolutely right. But, like, you know, it's just... Liverpool doesn't look like that invincible juggernaut. At least maybe they will be, but they haven't so far this year. And, I don't know. I hope Brian's right. I hope we're not out of it yet. I mean, in a normal season where it's not, you know, teams aren't racking up points like it's La Liga, then... You know, okay, you're, it's December and you're three points behind the, the the top of the league. You're feeling pretty good about yourself. Hopefully, that's justified. Right, exactly. I mean, again, if we rattle off six points and we sit on Boxing Day three points behind Liverpool in second place, like, I've, I've never seen us in that position before. We've never been in that position before. You know, like, that's that's a great start to the season. We weren't there this season when Leicester beat us to the title. I don't think we were there when Chelsea beat us to the title. Like, we're still in it. And, I, yeah, I mean, I still believe this team, as much as I'm existentially torn about how we're playing and everything about the Jose Mourinho Spurs, and I can't deny that it has largely been very effective. And it continues to look like a team that is capable of beating anybody on a given day. 
Ben, I'm curious, and I want to sort of wrap it up on this point because I know we're running a little bit long, but putting aside style of play, but in terms of behavior, has Mourinho... How bad... Bad is... I don't want to characterize it. Has Mourinho's behavior off the pitch been better or worse than you would have expected when we hired him? Oh, much better. I mean... I mean, he's obviously feuding with random players and... Might have been saved from a huge mistake by COVID, but... Right. But that I think that's a big part of it, right? Is the fact that, like, the thing that was driving me so insane about Jose Mourinho last season was he was feuding with Tangi Ndombele, specifically. And Ndombele has now become a pretty key figure to this run that we've had. And, you know, it's telling we lost our first game of the season since opening day when he didn't play. Um, maybe Jose has to ask himself some questions about that, but... He's not feuding with him anymore, and that's great. And, you know, he, then he started feuding with Deli Alley, which also pisses me off, but Deli has been a guy that we are much cap- more capable of absorbing his loss than we were in Dumbele. But we have now seen Deli get back into the team. And the fact that that capability exists is way more than I thought Jose was capable of when we when we started. You know, we know he feuds with players. We knew this was something that was like likely to happen. Um, the fact that those feuds have not been a necessary death sentence and there has been room for, you know, a detente or an indetente for Ndombele, uh is encouraging. Have, have you found... Off in the... Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Saying, the way he mouths off in the press is much more likely to be directed at other players at other managers at the league as a whole and not just shitting on his squad i have found positive development i have found that to be much more enjoyable than i was anticipating like when he's pissing outside the tent as opposed to inside it like like him talking all this shit to Klopp today like frankly i think we all would have fucking loved it if it had come from anybody else like it's kind of enjoyable when he's talking about how shitty everyone else is and how great his boys are, or whatever. Like it's it's kind of fun to listen to. Uh, like you start, we talked about this a little bit last season, but you do kind of understand some of the Mourinho charm offensive, right? Well, like, and I'm much happier to see him come out of a game like this and be like, "The better team lost, Klopp, go fuck yourself," rather than him be like, "Steven Bergvine, you suck. What's the matter with you?" You know. Like that kind of shit. Deli Alley is responsible of, for a tight right. Spurs lost title. Play. I brought him on and he gave me nothing. Like this is the kind of thing we were seeing from him last year, and that we, I think we've seen from him at, at Man U and and his recent club appearances. Um, and you know maybe we'll get there again if things start to go really badly for a sustained period of time. But like in this moment, that's the kind of press conference that I'm happy with like I, I want him to do that much more than I want to see him shitting on our own players that makes me really happy Brian I imagine you're just enjoying this period full stop right uh, well I mean I, I would obviously like us to be playing much more exciting football but yeah this is great uh, I'm here for all the shithousery I'm here for all the trash talking you know uh, the, the all the gifable moments like it's great um i don't know that i could ask for anything more um <laughs> honestly like it, you know well i think even the most like di- discerning spurs fan would have to admit there will be something deeply funny about Mourinho like winning something with Tottenham like like it's going like, to be very amusing to watch happen Brian will you commit to getting a Jose Mourinho tattoo if he wins the league for us uh, I mean, I, not <laughs> on the record. Ben, will just you commit? Anti-tattoo in general. Ben's the only one who's got a tattoo on this podcast because his bet didn't work out last year. Will you get a Jose Mourinho tattoo if he wins the league? Never get a Jose Mourinho tattoo, but Brian <laughs> loves Jose Mourinho. And I want to uh, see yeah, him. Maybe I would just get Jose Mourinho's face tattooed on my face. <laughs> um, get, the, get the Tottenham 
crest with Jose's face as the ball. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that'd be good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that tattooed on your cheek. Is that is that what killed you, Brian? Like a neck tattoo, like a Roberto Firmino. <laughs> Somewhere very discreet. I don't care where it is. Okay. All right. I just want to know that you believe in Jose so much that if he wins the league, you'll do it. I mean, if he won the league, I don't know. I'd probably do it. Maybe. <laughs> right. We right. will fly to Miami or whatever part of Florida you're in. And we will like pay for it and go with you to get it. Like we will, we will, we will video pod this experience. I mean, if you guys we will create a Patreon it. to support this. Oh yeah, we we can crowdfund this in a fucking heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, look how much money we raised for Marine AFC. Like we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Brian Jose tattoo watch is on. <laughs> so, so Jose, yeah, you I mean, gotta I do feel it. Like that in May, I'm gonna be really sweating this, but yeah. <laughs> And I might actively be rooting for us to finish second. Look, yeah. the important thing is you, A, don't tell your wife, and B, get it in somewhere discreet enough that it'll take her a little while to find it. Right, exactly. So I don't know where that would be. So, <laughs> Good luck, Ben. Thank you. But yeah, so, all right, cool. So on that <laughs> note, I think it's time to wrap this bad boy up. Brian, where can people find you online to talk to you about your impending Jose Mourinho penis tattoo? Uh, yeah, have that find... bad boy wrapped up for sure <laughs> in plastic. Oh God! You can find me on the internet, I guess, um, at Twitter <laughs> on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. Ben, where can people find you online talking about Brian's poor decision making? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade Spurs. and you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack 79 and uh, don't forget to follow our Twitter feed for our podcast at WDR, as in Wheeler Dealer Radio, WDR Podcast on Twitter. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. For Ben, for Brian, and of course, for Brett Rainbow, I have been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs>